everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 107th episode of the podcast, airing January 18th, 2021. And I wish you all a happy new year. Uh, even though it's a little bit in, you know, I haven't yet said it on the podcast. So I hope everything is faring well in the beginning of 2021, even though Lord knows, woo, there's a lot of action uh, in the stars uh, and in the world. Now, that being said, I'm pleased to present to you my discussion with Mackenzie Greer of Mac in the Zodiac, who will join me in conversation on Aquarius season 2021. And so Mac and I are going to break down this year's action-packed Aquarius season with its many signatures that will really bring to focus the concentrated Aquarius vibe that is being put to the collective table. Now, we ruminate on what this energy will mean both in the worldly sphere and in our personal lives and how Big Daddy Saturn will be the end-all be-all of this planetary chain. So listen in as we discuss the key dates of this 30-day period, the signs archetypes, a few corresponding myths, and my retelling of a meditation that concentrates on non-attachment. So we do hope you enjoy the program. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done over at my site at energeticprinciples.com. Now, I'm also delighted to announce that I have partnered with Stormy Grace in her upcoming Astrology YouTube University crowdfunding campaign uh, to bring to you all a year's worth of free astrology lessons from the ground up. Now, I will be one of the facilitators, along with Stormy herself, Rick Levine, Sam Reynolds, Nadia Shaw, Christina Caudill, Christopher Renstrom, Gemini Brett, and a handful more of fantastic astrologers slash teachers who believe in the mission to educate people on the planets and the stars. Now, this is only going to get funded if we can reach the goal on Kickstarter. So we'd love any and all of the help we can get. So the campaign is going to end on February 7th with classes hopefully starting in March. So to donate to this crowdfunding campaign, you can look for the link in the description wherever you are listening to this program. All right. So who is ready to hear all about Aquarius 2021? Here we go. Now let's meet our guests. All right. I am so happy to welcome back this week's special guest. We have Mackenzie Greer back on the podcast. Thanks for joining me again, Mac. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mel. Yeah. So Mac's been here three times. This is the third time uh, we did... we. Did a Pisces season last year, I think, right? I think it was actually Taurus. Taurus season. Was it Taurus? Yeah. It was Taurus season. You're right. I do. Now you're kicking off. Now you're right. It is Taurus. Was Taurus season. And then when before that, um, in 2019, we did astrology and palmistry. So if you're interested in such things, that was... um, that was a good podcast. I think we I had, we we enjoyed it. We had a good time because we're both astrologers that actually kind of got into astrology through palmistry, uh, which is not everyone's story, but it happened to be ours. Um, and so we chatted all about that. So if you go back in the archives, you can hear us talk about stars and palms to your heart's delight. Um, but for those of you who are new to Mackenzie, Mac, will you share a little bit, quick background on you? Um, what you got going on? Who you? Find? I'd be happy to. Hey, everybody. I'm Mackenzie Greer of Mac and the Zodiac. 
I'm a practicing traditional astrologer out of Queens, New York. I like to kind of take a little psychological, a little modern, kind of have like a little hybrid astrology practice, but mainly with a traditional background. And yeah, I'm a palmist, as Mel mentioned. Um, I love looking at how astrology and palmistry interact, but today we'll primarily be looking at the astrology for February, which I am so excited to get into. It looks so nuts. Oh my God. I mean, after coming off of this hot January, it's just like, here we go again. Here I go again on my own. That's what (laughs) makes me think that's good. That seems very Aquarius to some extent. Um, You you know what you uh, just made me think of? It's like if if Aquarius season had a palm, what would it look like? I'm curious. If it had a palm, I feel like the separation between the ring finger and the mercury (laughs) finger would be huge. Yeah, I know we both have that ourselves. And in Bohemian, the Bohemian with all the fingers spread out, that always indicates someone that has a very Bohemian nature, right? Very open, grasping at life rather than the tight fingers that are all wrapped up. Tight fingers. Yeah. I know. I some of my fingers, they some of them grasp, and then the, the two in the middle are like tight. They're like you know, we're, we're linked together, and the other ones are out on the fringes. Fringes. Okay. Um, yeah. that's funny. Uh, I have to think about that. But uh, there is <laughs> it's true. Aquarius season this year has some things going on. Uh, and if you listen to Gray and I talk about the year ahead, um in the last podcast, so you know, you know, I tried to skip through February as it, as if it didn't exist. If I didn't talk about it, we wouldn't be dealing with it. But sure enough, it's one of the most active um, seasons of the year. Really, I think it's crucial to the story of what twenty twenty one looks like. Um, and we know there's so much going on right now, right, Mac? Just in the in the collective, and that's a spot that Aquarius is focused on for the most part, the collective, right? Exactly. Right. Aquarius season, we're just kind of picking back up right off where Capricorn left off, right? We're kind of going into another fixed sign, which of course has us kind of trying to sustain momentum, kind of continuing the themes that we were just exploring during Capricorn season, which there was a lot, right? Obviously we had a coup, we had all this madness, we have the election transition, um, all the heat, you know, we've got the everything's kicking up. And now that we're going into February, it's kind of like, well, okay, what's the next leg of this story? And as we know, those fixed signs really just begin to establish the themes that just kind of like lit up like a match, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The cardinal pivots, it turns it, it lights it kind of like, you know, it gets that party started and then the fix basically stabilizes it, carries it through, roots it down. Um, or in this, case, I might jackhammer it up a little bit uh, to question what is rooted down to some extent. And so it is going to be a lively season. And especially uh, just because we know, and of course, we're speaking with bias to the American situation because that is where Mac and I are located. So if you're in another country and listening to us, bear with us. Um, But you know that there is things like this are going to be happening all around the world. Really, it just depends on how it interacts with the charts of particular countries, but the same kind of signatures are still abound, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. I was thinking about that before we got into this today. I was like, wow, we're so Americans. We're so just focused on us. And we forget that there's all this energy is also kind of trickling around the world. Someone from Brazil just wrote me and was like, we need, you know, revolution in Brazil. We need like this. And I was just like, it reminded me, I'm like, oh yeah, we're not the only people here. And what better time to, to reawaken to that concept than Aquarius season reminding us you know, of our wholeness on this earth. And I think it's so interesting that, you know, Aquarius being 
you know, a fixed sign deals with. All the fixed signs deal with like attachment to something, right? And Aquarius has this attachment to its own ideas and principles and, you know, what it wants to accomplish here. So we have to kind of deal with that energy of attachment going into February. And I mean, it really plays out. Obviously, we know kind of like the hot spot of the month we're going to get into a little bit later has to do with, uh, you know, that Jupiter, Uranus, Saturn, Uranus squares, really the Saturn, Uranus square colors this whole year, right? As we know, and that's like really going to be deal with like, all right, what principles are we attached to societally that really needs some just like revolutionizing? Yeah. Yeah. There, mm. I love the idea uh, you bringing up just attachment with fixed signs because mm-hmm. I've been thinking about attachment a lot <laughs> lately mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe it's a cancer issue. Um, <laughs> both Mac and I are cancers, um, you know, because it, it's, it's not a fixed sign, but it is known for attachment to some extent. Yeah, it's yes. hard to let go of a real cancer energy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But just being a someone who has a fixed rising, and you, uh, Mac has to. We both have like fixed angles, basically. We're fixed people in a lot of ways. Yeah, fixed people with these kind of cardinal and mutable. Uh, I feel like we both have kind of well-rounded charts when it comes to modality. But um, just thinking about the idea of of attachment um, and how. Sometimes it could be like the bit, like the biggest bane in your existence because of being so attached to something. Um, when we are faced with such shifts and changes and wake ups and things that cause you know cause the jackhammer or, or the tower to come around, and uh, depending on your attachment uh, level or style or what have you. And, and, and we all have attachments in different areas of life. Um, but this is when things that change is so hard for people just because of the level of attachment, uh, that we have. So practicing non-attachment, I've been doing these meditations at night where it's like, I had this one in particular, it's like letting go of everything. It's this woman <laughs> with a beautiful British accent. She's like, she's like, imagine yourself um, uh, that's not a British accent, but <laughs> just like, imagine yourself at the, at the edge of a, a hole in the earth and you've got a suitcase on one side of you. And that suitcase is everything that you've had. Uh, all your past is, is wrapped up in that suitcase, you know, pick it up, feel the weight of it, feel what it is. And now basically chuck it into the hole of the earth. This is very Uranus. My God, throw it into the void. Throw it into the void. Watch it go down. And I even imagine like the earth, like gobbling it up. Like, you know, and I'm like, oh, thank God. And she's like, now you feel lighter. And then she's like, look to your right. And this is a suitcase with all your worries of the future. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is the this is I'm the gonna Aquarius have like side. Suitcases around yeah, me. Yeah. I'm gonna have like just be fucking them one up like a conveyor belt of suitcases. Oh my god. Oh, that's Those so funny. Cancer, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Get rid yeah, of all like... things. <laughs> no. You have like full piece luggage sets on either side of you. Um, but I feel like the Taurus energy that we're going through is one side of the past because the the uh, you know feminine or receptive signs, as you we say, the earth and the water can hold the past, but then the fire and the air hold that future. And so, of course, we're going to chuck all our worries and concerns for the future and our right suitcase down into the hole again. And then we feel like, how do we feel after that? And so I feel like, I guess what I'm saying here is that this 
season challenges us with this pit in the earth to which on one side we have the Taurus and the other side we have the Aquarius and these, these buckled up baggages that we've been carrying around for so long or, or, or feel the pressure to carry in to go are just all need to be chucked. (laughs) Yes, they do. Released in some way. I definitely think we will be guided there, like it or not, with all the the Saturn Uranus uh, opportunities, we'll call them, coming up uh, to engage with that whole concept of like of release of of revisiting those outworn structures that Saturn may have us clinging to, uh, that we're kind of ready to surrender, that we're ready to transform. You know, if we can use these kind of lighter terminologies, looking at the month ahead, we can hopefully kind of guide ourselves in that headspace and not go into this totally fear based. I know a lot of people have had like after 2020 and like the astrology of 2020, I know a lot of people feel like this fear around astrology because it's just been like month after month after month of feeling like pummeled by the astrology. And as we go into 2021, we're still following the narrative of 2020, right? We're still carrying all that energy in. We've got to kind of complete this chapter and it's going to take a while, right? Everyone was kind of clinging to 2021, like, please be our savior, please. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, well, we, we just started the work. It, we're not done yes. with the work. And I know that that's hard to hear, but hopefully if we can kind of like, you know, shore up behind that concept, we can move into this work a little more with some strength because this whole Taurus Aquarius game is going to be going on all month. And it's just going to be like one thing after the other. And we have to like, make sure we've got our feet on the ground with the Taurus energy, but also kind of our head in the clouds with the Aquarius energy. It's like, just how can we, how can we have both and stay sane doing it all? Yeah. Yeah. And and allowing those to meet in the middle in some way, because, um, you know, we do want to be grounded and feel secure, which is a very Torian type of thing, um, and, and rooted in whatever way we can at this particular moment. But we do have to be forward thinking uh, and forward reaching um, and have a bigger perspective around everything that we're encountering. And when you said headspace, Mac, that's like, I mean, that's Aquarius territory right there, right? I mean, we're talking about air sign. Uh, we're talking about... Um, you know, fixed air too, which of course, once again, we talk about attachment and getting caught in like repetitive or really fixed uh, mental energies um, that we all have somewhere in our life. Uh, But it's also about what mental energies do we want to fixate on or root down. um, And we have the ability hopefully to fly Fly like the eagle. I don't know why all these songs are coming to me. Uh, yeah. And see this this bigger picture to gain new perspective. And I think that that head headspace. Where's your head at? Right. Wow, that's such a beautiful way of thinking about fixed air. Because often when I think about fixed air, or you, you read about it, it's always like rigid principles, rigid ideas, rigid you know, rigid thinking, and it you can be like, oh shit, you know, like that has kind of a negative connotation. And it's true. It's not like, it's not true, but I I love the idea of kind of like, okay, well maybe we can also have like rigid, uh, positive approach to our thoughts or, you know, something that's a little more fixed in a a healthy way of of thinking and communicating, dealing with all this, these air elements. I I love that twist that you put on that. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, it makes me think Mac, just because that's the beauty. Actually, this is like the weird little saving grace, I think, of this Aquarius season is the fact that at some point, all these planets, uh, you know, like not all of them, but a 
enough of them are going to be trining into the North node in Gemini. And so that's mm-hmm. where we can maybe get the shift of perspective and the new idea and be able to uh, dislodge some of the fixity to introduce new ideas or shifting ideas or adapt them in a new way that does allow us to uh, reroute and, uh, and fixate on new perceptions that just get, because we do, you know, we can't like live completely in a like, changing ideas all times. We do have to have some sort of headspace that we can rely on. And I think that's kind of the Aquarius agenda um, to some extent. Um, but if it's outdated, that's where we get in, in trouble. So we, we've got to, you know, update those little points of destiny that we're going to, that's going to come down through our thoughts, our communications, just our, our the possibilities of what the future holds was the airspace. Um, and hopefully that will help the twist and the flow of these things to move into new territory, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think Aquarius season in general, it's like culture changes because of Aquarian people, because of Aquarian ideas, because of all Aquarius energy. That's where we challenge the status quo, right? Aquarius following Capricorn brings those fresh solutions. It brings all this kind of just, you know, that whole energy of reform um, from a fresh perspective. So I think we can kind of begin to get invigorated by this and hopefully in, in a positive light. I, you know, also, it's so weird because you think about the divide in America right now and it's like, we're all sharing these transits and, you know, the the other half, uh, yeah. the unmentionables, um, you know, they also are here and they're working through this energy too. So they can be like, yeah, let's get behind this. They can also have this whole concept of reform or, or revolution where at the same time, we're also, being like reform revolution. So we're all like in the middle of this strange collective division. Uh, and I think Aquarius tries to, you know, kind of reconcile the divide, but also because it's such a group centered sign, right? It's like, everybody's here. We all have to figure out how to make this work. Although we're so divided. Yeah. It's so interesting to see how this is going to play out. Right. Because when I see the energies here this month, it's just like, it's very revolution heavy, right? It's just right on the, the tip of our tongues when we look at this month and it's like, okay, really, really pushing it. But in what way? Are, uh, is this positive reform or negative? And it depends who who you're talking to, right? That's right. That's right. And and yeah, and like, what is your concept of reform? And, <laughs> you know, to begin with, it's like, we all want reform. We're in, we're all in agreement. Does that a word? Agreement. I tried to use that the other day. Agreeance. It's not a word, but agreement. We're all in agreement (laughs) with with this. We all want reform. So, and that's the thing is like we have to come together when, and it could be really hard to recognize when there's all these other areas that are like, no, we're not matching up. We don't see eye to eye with the beliefs because we still got that Sagittarius South Node just wreaking wreaking its havoc there. Everybody's got the ideas with the Gemini, you know, you know, Um, but. If we could just find the common ground to like at least start from, um, and you know what, you know what that takes maturity, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and here we are, you know, Saturn. Right. That's the big Who's thing better about than Saturn to do to lead us there, right? And he's like really the forerunner of all this, and, and that's absolutely right because. What we're doing all Aquarius season is leading up to the grand finale at the end of it, which is the Saturn 
first pass. First pass, people, not the only pass. First pass of Saturn squaring Uranus. And it is in that overcoming position. So I'm hoping that, you know, that higher side of Saturn, um, and especially in a sign that it functions, you know, like as rule based wise, better because, you know, it being a day planet, it's now in a day sign, it's in, it's, it's in a triplicity, there. you know, like it's happier there that mm-hmm. we can have um, some sort of, uh, you know, just some sort of form and some sort of maturity because right now it's like, kids running rampant. Like when you saw, we yes. saw the, the, the chaos of the, the insurgents, whatever that means. So it's like, that was not, insur- that was like a time where it's unheard of for the United States. Um, but if someone were really serious, if they were really serious about like effing it up, that would have been monumental next level. Like if we were like back in like, and yeah. it, and the, the crazy thing about this, and it really speaks to the air age that we're now entering and just the way our society has turned all, you know, social media and all the, like the, uh, everyone having a say and a presence and all that yes. at no other time in history would that situation have happened because mm-hmm. that was not an insurgent. It, like it was, it was, but it was a, a huge, uh, you know, look at me social, like, no, like no masks, no, any, anything. It was like blatant, like I'm doing this to show the world that this is my belief or this is my stance or, you know, and it, it, it's empty and it's like in its actual agenda, which I think that, that I like that. I like the fact that, 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 that's that, but at no other time in history would that have happened. It would have been a bloodbath or like on either side, like, you know, even the, the, uh, people like the, the police, or if it was like back in the day, like a military or some sort of protective, there would have been bloodshed and like just the, that nature of like fighting that is in primate species to begin with. That's like so it's almost like this weird, now that I say it out loud, it's almost like this weird, like evolutionary uh, glitch where we've evolved enough to where we don't go to the, like, the like full on fighting, but we're in this still like kind of, look at me, look at me. I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I broke into the warehouse. Look at me, you know, like, I don't know. It just baffles yeah. me. Oh my know. God. Yes. A hundred percent. I feel you. And it's so interesting, like thinking about some of these Aquarian concepts that like after you're reflecting after your reflections, like, I don't know, just how Aquarius in general has to wrestle with this whole notion of like individuality and this very freedom, you know, heavy spirit, independent spirit yes. that Aquarius possesses versus, you know, the group minded Aquarius, the collectively concerned Aquarius, um, the reconciling the divide Aquarius. It suddenly this sign works to marry that. And it's like, how, well, how can you be an individual and be an individual in a group? And how can, how does that, how does that work together? So thinking about even you just talking, reflecting on them being very like me oriented, look at me, look at me within this group. I mean, it's just crazy. And also to mention that like Aquarius, you know, in traditional astrology, and obviously you've probably tackled this in your multiple Aquarius episodes, but having this, you know, ongoing battle between astrologers of traditional astrologers and modern astrologers talking about Saturn being, you know, Aquarius being ruled by Saturn or Aquarius being ruled by Uranus and how these are very different planets. And they're, they're both very heavily at play this month. Um, and thinking about how 
traditionally Aquarius is very like civil. It is, it's tactful. It uses reasoned logic, uh, which is way more Saturnian than yeah. Uranian, right? And, and so hopefully we can lean into the Saturn and with Saturn being stronger in the overcoming square, uh, we can lean into some like reason and, and fair-mindedness of that are, are traditional Aquarian qualities rather than the modern take of, you know, and it's out for debate. It really is interesting debate to think about, but of the Uranian qualities that have maybe been exaggerated quite a bit, but, um, you know, of it being rebellious, of this being very, you know, very rebellious sign. Um, so it's like, well, how do you balance this whole rebellious concept with civility concept, right? They're, they're kind of inimical in a way. Anyway. I, no, I tell, I totally, yes, yes. On, on the, those fronts. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting to think, <laughs> and that's a, that's an age old battle that has been going on with the, uh, the Saturn versus Uranus. And you know, here's the thing too: is like when it comes to Uranus, speaking as someone who has it on their ascendant, <laughs> it's like Uranus is actually um, not always that rebellious. What the rebellious that you think it is? It can actually be incredibly rigid um, in its uh-huh. constructs because it it just yeah like. Yeah. So it's weird. They, they both have these particular signs and, you know, Aquarius is, can be very, a point that is very uh, scientific. Um, yeah. and like, you know, you get the kind of the jokes about it being, you know, robotic in some way, you know, people right. have a lot of aloof. Aquarius. It's, aloof. Uh, yes. It's very yeah. matter of fact and to, and that speaks to Saturn a lot to me. I, I think so too. And so, and, but anyway, you slice it, we have both planets at play. And so, you know, get, get in where you fit in. You were, we're going to feel them both, no matter what. Yeah. They're um, both going at this month, yeah. So, but we could use some, some good Saturn, uh, good Saturn, good yes. Saturn. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm saying that just to appease Saturn, just so you know, like I feel it, <laughs> I feel the side over my shoulder. Yeah. Um, all right. So this brings us to our breakdown. Basically we've, we've waxed enough on all the Aquarius and the dynamics and we'll try to break these down in collective and personal spheres too, because you know, it's not, it's, but, but that is the thing to keep in mind this mo- month in general, this season is that, um, it, we are heavily affected by the collective, even if we'd like to think we aren't or want to tune out from it. It's just that that's just how energy works. So no matter what, we're going to be feeling whatever's going on in the world, in our country, et cetera, within our own spirits. And there's going to be byproduct of that. And I think that's just the nature of reality, but it's also the nature of Aquarius in general and in this particular timing of everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right. So Aquarius season starts Tuesday, January 19th. Uh, and this podcast actually will come out the day prior. So hopefully people will listen to it um, and, and get a get a head start on that Aquarius energy. But the, what's interesting, Mac, is that it um, there's a, basically starts off with a bang because... Yeah. Yeah. Like it. So Aquarius season arrives. Uh, the next day we basically have, um, a first quarter moon. So it starts off with a first quarter push, which is always a dynamic energy for at least a lunar cycle. And we know that if you recall the new moon in Capricorn that happened just a few days ago that we're recording this, um, that was a, it was a loaded signature, of a new moon. So we have to keep in mind that much of Aquarius season is actually confined within a lunar signature of having the sun, moon, Pluto together, uh, Jupiter squaring Uranus, Mars squaring Saturn, 
um, and basically heading to Jupiter uh, and Venus trining Uranus, which adds to that social, you know, yeah, <laughs> um, and, yeah. So, and, and then okay. So what I'm saying is, we get that, and then we, and then the next day we have the inauguration day, basically in the U.S. on January 20th, which is the same day that Mars. Um, I about squares Uranus. It's not squares. It conjuncts Uranus. Mars conjuncts right. Uranus on that day, uh, while Mercury is trining the North Node. So, I mean, just thoughts on that. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Beginning. Of oh, <laughs> I mean, like you said, like we're going into this month kind of stemming from that new moon in Capricorn conjunct Pluto. So we know Pluto is heavily at play. We know America is, I think, inching towards Pluto return. If it didn't did it already happen, I can't even remember. I'm sorry. There's no, so much going on. That's all right. 2022. We're so we're on the lead up. Right. So we know Pluto when, when Pluto's wrapped into the story and is like the seed plant of this month that we are going to be going through it and having to like honestly face a lot of our our shit kind of head on uh and so we start right off with this first quarter moon right and of course that's when we get this first taste of this clash we're going to be dealing with throughout the month right we have the taurus element uh just as one part right being so concerned with like the kind of conservatism tradition and attachment again to like security Mm-hmm. Uh, versus Aquarius, who is kind of pushing this radicalized agenda, this idealistic agenda, hopefully more civil agenda, but unconventional nonetheless, and working to break up the stagnancy, right? And so when these two are square, there's kind of this uh, dealing with the very physical and material uh, and idealistic problems in society, right? It really kind of grounds us right back down. The Taurus moon says, hey, hold on. <laughs> there's some real things we need to deal with uh, before we go off onto idealism land, yeah. uh, right? And so I think these two playing together, it really speaks to finding a way to find practical idealism. And we're going to have a lot of that kind of notion kind of imbuing through the rest of the month, but we're really getting that first flavor here of that, of revolutionizing kind of Taurus concepts and grounding the Aquarius ones. Yeah. Um, so, right. So this first, I mean, we come, we come right into it. We, we come into this whole flavor, but of course this is like way more juiced up because Mars Uranus uh, is conjunct. This has been concerning me for a while, considering that that is the inauguration day. Uh, I'm assuming it will make you a little nervous as well. Oh, I got nervous back in like <laughs> early October when I was doing an election panel and I had to pull charts for inauguration. I was solid. I was like, oh, oh my God. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is the- crazy. How uh, did the planets come up with this? Um, And what's fascinating is at the time of the inauguration, it's actually right before first quarter. Like, I mean, like a couple hours, well, first quarter is a little later on um, in the day. And at the time of the inauguration, which usually happens at noon in uh, DC time, we have a 29 degree Mars, sorry, 29 degree moon. um, And with the coup. Yes. And so basically when the coup happened, uh, uh, timing wise, uh, they, they, um, this, I love this kind of stuff. Cause this is kind of my focus of study is like the timing of the ascendant midheaven action, because I think that these are just moving points constantly that just, you know, they pop off the energy. And then when the coup decided to leave the rally, they left early to get a head start to get over to the, you know, the Capitol. Um, and it was reported that they left at quarter after 
uh, noon time. And so I looked up 1215, uh, and sure enough, that was when the ascendant in Washington was at 29 degrees of Aries conjunct Mars. Exactly. And another thing that is fascinating about this, when we talk about uh, cyclical motion is that the last time Mars and Uranus made a conjunction because they're, they make it here, but the last conjunction happened at 29 degrees of Aries. So, no way. yes. So there has been this 29 degree point um, oh my God. that has been crucial to the Mars Uranus story for some time now. Uh, it's being kicked up within just the way these events are timed. We saw it like go off with the ascendant adding to that. Um, but then when we look at Mars and Saturn in its own cycle, that happened uh, at zero degrees Aquarius on the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and we'll be squaring, you know, this first quarter and where the sun is at. So th- the beginning of cycles are so important for the, like the popping off of the timing, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but let's just break it down here. Mars, this is a, the God of war. This is a destructive force. It's in a sign that is, uh, you know, a l- little difficult for it. Um, mm-hmm exiles itself in some way because it's in detriment, which I think is fascinating when we think about these uh, these people on the fringe that are more than willing to uh, put themselves in a, you know in an exiled position to right, push their right. agenda. you know what I mean? like oh my um, God yeah. And so here we have this volatile force, which is what Mars is. It has its own agenda. It doesn't it will destruct if it needs to. It's in Taurus, so it's probably really purposeful on what it, you know, like it, the Taurus is known yeah. for being stubborn, you know, like that's, and it's that could be a downfall. Very determined. Yes. Which I don't like. Very determined. And that could be a it's downfall hard. when you're in battle, because if you can, you can go down, if you're not nimble enough to pivot, like maybe a Mars okay. and Aries would be. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Or you could also be dumb enough to stay determined to do something dangerous. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Yeah, I know. And we don't want to put these out there in the collective, but we also got to be aware of it because we already see stories that are developing in the upped military presence, which is another Mars um, faculty uh, that is going to be present at the inauguration. Um, And then we have the unsuspecting component of Uranus because that's just what Uranus does. It's like, surprise, you thought it would go down this way. (laughs) Actually went this way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So when I think any astrologer looks at this conjunction, the first word that comes to our head is like explosive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to me, at least to me, I'm like, that's, that's explosive. These are, these are hot and this is a powder keg essentially yeah. to me when I look at that. I mean, it's volcanic, yeah. but mm-hmm. in a, in a earth, like deep within, in the earth, like it's like, yeah, like you're sta- you're standing and all of a sudden just the earth starts shaking and you're like, and it'll be interesting to see actually if there's like just a seismic activity that day Absolutely. in general for on, on the planet, um, which could add a whole nother, you know, like dynamic. Like if, if, if that wasn't, but wait, there's more. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so there is this, this component, uh, but once again, like I was pointing out just moments prior is that this is starting a whole other new cycle of Mars and Uranus that actually hasn't been seated in Taurus energy yet. So this is the beginning of that since it happened at 29 degrees 
of Aries the last time. Um, that timing is insane. And I mean, that's so interesting. That's a really good point to make about uh, like the synodic cycle or, or, you know, like these planets coming together and, and planting a new seed in Taurus. Like I didn't even think about that. That's totally, totally interesting to watch how that develops. And I can't yeah. believe they were on 29 Aries. I mean, that seems to be a hot spot. So like you just mentioned with the moon, and Aries on this day, like around, ugh, ugh, right on that degree. Right on the degree. And I mean, that doesn't speak well for inauguration chart anyways, because do you want like, a, you know, like a last degree of a moon to start a presidency? Like that, Absolutely. something seems yeah. short-lived about this or something, something seems, you know. Yeah. And have you looked at Biden's chart? <laughs> I have. And I was actually very concerned with it because this Mars-Uranus yeah. conjunction uh, falls right on his part of fortune. Um, in exactly on his part of fortune in the sixth house too, yeah, which is um, you know, like uh, health issues or, or health dangers. Yes. Uh, his Pluto is lit up by inauguration day as well. It's lit up by transiting Jupiter, Jupiter by Mars and Uranus. I mean, it is not, uh, it's not exactly. And Jupiter's his ascendant, uh, not to mention Pluto's opposite his natal Jupiter. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is coming from the second and the eighth, you know, like there yeah. are some things that There's are. Things that worry me, but I'm hoping that it's just uh, astrology panic, you know, astrology paranoia that we can all kind of fall into at times. Because that is um, real. Astrology paranoia is real. Astrology paranoia is very real. <laughs> it's very real. Um, so we got to be careful with such things. Um, but in other times, there's undeniable signatures and it might not go exactly how our minds take it might not be as worst case scenario, which hopefully depends on like where your own mind goes. Um, but it is undeniable that there are, especially having his moon too at zero Taurus, which is caught in the first quarter. It's caught in the, the square to Jupiter and Saturn just anyways, like he's right in that zone. So he's in it. He's involved. Um, He's involved (laughs) and the, they're not the easiest houses to which he's involved in. So okay. hopefully they will protect him well um, and do what is necessary to uh, make sure that he is okay. Um, and, I, and I thought it had to be thinking too, just uh, the nature of the first quarter in Taurus, Mars, Uranus, you know, Taurus being a point of security, financial markets, you know, what's this going to say mm-hmm. about the financial markets maybe having some unexpected um, hit or rise, you know, like, uh, then basically two days later, Mars squares Jupiter, which is interesting too. Mm-hmm. So, so Mars is conjuncting Uranus, but it's also getting the juice of Jupiter who loves to just add fuel to the flame. Yeah. Just exaggerate. Extent. Right. Yeah. Oof, so, <laughs> yeah. But in our own lives, I, well, we're, we're all probably going to be alerted to what's going on. If you're here in the U.S., like part of our experience with that is going to be probably watching how the collective element goes down um, to some extent. But uh, I think that we're all, our own drives are going to be waking and quaking in some way, and we're going to be on a, a new start of some sort um, in our own lives that are just different and restabilizing and some surprises can come out of the woodwork. I'd be careful just in general with whatever you're doing in these days, uh, that next, this first week, just in general, because Mars loves, a, loves a good accident. Um, we don't want any of that. We want everyone safe and, <laughs> you know, yeah. so slow yeah, that's roll. really, really serious. Like definitely a good thing to point out. I think just be especially cautious around fire around, uh, you know, when you're cooking around knives around all the stuff, Mars, you know, 
and I do think it's interesting, something kind of I learned in my palm tree days was that like when you get a cut or a burn, you know, it's like Mars trying to signal something or, you know, or it's like where a planet tries to talk to you uh, through its energies if it kind of manifests, right? So if you notice that you're getting Mars up or a little beat up or something, you know, maybe, maybe take a step back and acknowledge whatever that Mars story is for you at that time. Um, have you ever, have you heard of that? The whole, like, absolutely. Oh yes. I yeah. think, well, whenever something energy makes it to the physical form in my mind, like an, especially in an accident type of situation, or it, that's like, it has reached its threshold to all the other ways it tried to speak to you before that yeah. moment happened. It's basically. like, Hey, you kind of gave me, you gave me no choice, but to emerge here. Yeah. For a great, uh, and a great yet unfortunate example to my old my old college roommate uh i saw on facebook she so basically the night of the the new moon um that happened uh um at like 2 a.m in the morning right fresh fresh new moon it was right when the moon was actually conjunct pluto had moved on and conjunct to the next degree she and you know mars square and saturn uh she got up out of bed to go to the bathroom or something. Uh, and she was like half awake, half like, and she didn't even know what happens. She just basically like woke up, uh, kind of in, in a pool of blood. She had like, she had gotten up in half consciousness, I think to go, she, something happened to where she must've tripped something and she hit her head on her dresser. Um, and she like crumbled and like, yeah, she she's got banged up. She has the gnarliest, like so many stitches down her forehead. Like this is a Mars, this is oh. a Mars Pluto situation. Like it, she got beat up. The poor my my poor friend. Um, and it's weird in the sense of the, the Iranian action with it. Just knowing that I remember, you know, Austin Kopic talking about Uranus and Taurus. It's like waking, you know, the surprise wakes you from your sleep state, your sleeping bed. And like, literally she was like half asleep uh, and it happened. You know, like, it's not the same, you know, Mars isn't the same vigilance it was in Aries and Taurus. It's like, it could be half asleep. <laughs> like, you know, like my poor friend here. Um, oh and I don't say to scare anybody, but it's like, that. that's just like, it's just an interesting, you know, adding all those things, what might have, must've been going on in her life. Maybe she needed a timeout. Like what, how does it get to that? Um, but there's, yeah. So just be conscious. Exactly. In general, all Mars themes, your Mars houses or wherever Mars is in your chart, it's likely to kind of have this little extra spark. And in general, like our energy may be kind of like through the roof that day, but like you said, it's in Taurus. So it may be not as kind of hyperactive as it might be in Aries, but know that you, like around this first entrance into Aquarius season, we've got some heat, you know, there's just like tempers that people can snap. This is like a burning bridges aspect. It can be very, very explosive. As I've already said before, it just, it carries that energy. It carries that power keg. So be careful where you're lighting your fires and make sure you're like mindful about that. Right. I mean, the other day, my cat actually lit on fire randomly. She, and not like spontaneously, <laughs> she like jumped up next to a candle on my desk, came out of nowhere and she went up in flames. And I was like, oh my, oh my God. And then she was fine, like completely fine. It went right out. It was insane. But I was like, you're having like a bad Mars day. Oh my uh, God. Like, get this. I looked at her chart. Actually, her, the transiting sun was conjunct Pluto. So she had this like close brush with you know the traumas of life and then of course Pluto being phoenix-esque it was like 
you know, I was like, oh my God, my Gosh. poor cat having this sun Pluto day, just, you know, so anyway. Well, and knowing your chart, that's happening in the sixth house of small right. animals, right? Yes. Um, oh God, exactly. Yeah. And, well, and that must've been the same time my friend went through her accident because it was like at the same time. And I saw a couple of different people having like issues that, you know, that Pluto is not messing around. Pluto, mm-hmm. Pluto, Mars, Uranus. Mars, yes. Yeah, so attention to that kind of energy. All these, all these things that we've been talking about, because this is just, this is intensified, obviously, right? Mars and Uranus. This is like electric. This is like an electric fire. I don't know. It's just, it's hot. I, I'd be, I'd be mindful. I'd be extra mindful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Keep your cats away from the candles because <laughs> you know, you never know. <laughs> um. I also feel like maybe they're just because I'm noticing in some people's life and I'm kind of feeling in my own, uh, just the amount of like maybe responsibility and work energy and things along those lines that are going down and uh, maybe hitting a breaking point with some of that too, to some extent with Mars and Uranus meeting um, and, and squaring Jupiter. And we just went through Mars squaring Saturn. And so we might kind of be at our like wits end or like energy wise of just you know, reassessing responsibilities, what, you know, what we put our energy into or keep plotting towards or how much we're carrying or if there's extra burdens and, you know, wanting to free ourselves from that in some way, or if we can even realistically uphold these things, maybe we were a little idealistic in, in nature from the get-go of Jupiter, uh, you know, like being an Aquarius and be like, I can handle that. I can handle that. And you're like, then it's like real. And you're like, Oh my God, it's, I'm like Atlas here. (laughs) Way too much. Definitely a good time to reassess that. And yeah, like you're saying, kind of just free up some space. I think we'll have plenty of opportunities to do that with uh, a few of these um, you know, aspects coming along, especially the Mercury retrograde, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So yes, I free up some space. Oh, and Aquarius love space. Aquarius yeah. like, give me some space. <laughs> I need some space. Um, right. so yeah, so, so definitely make some space, uh, wherever you need it, you know, whenever you need it to, to re-energize yourself. I think Rachel Lang was saying that earlier on her Instagram. She was like, if you need space, if you need time, you know, there's, these are weird shifting energies and like, if, if, you know, it does not behoove you to push through if the energy is not there, you're not going to have quality work. You're not going to have a quality experience. You just gotta, you gotta rest. You gotta take, you know, you know, take that little Taurus nap, bless all you Tauruses out there. I know you like some naps, (laughs) you know, we just might need some little nappy time, little impromptu nap to some extent. Um, which is interesting because this kind of brings us to, uh, uh, well, Venus sextiling Neptune. That that feels like a nap to me. Oh, it's <laughs> like the, on the twenty third. But really, it's all leading up to one of the big things about Aquarius season is the is Neptune squaring the nodes. I and mean, this has been a lead up since November, right? I mean, what do you think about this, I mean, Mac? I mean, I think it's so interesting because Neptune's just been on the back burner, right? Like I've kind of just forgotten about it. And in true Neptunian form, it's just kind of like dissolved before my eyes. I'm like, oh, who? Yeah. Oh, Neptune. Yeah. Oh, Neptune and Pisces. Yeah, been there forever. Who cares? You know, I've been like so fixated on these hot little fiery electric aspects in the sky and all yeah. the all the chaos that's so clear. But Neptune has just suddenly like just kind of like fizzled out of my attention. And so now the nodes are coming back. And you know, every time the nodes square a planet, they just kind of highlight that planet collectively, personally. So we're gonna have this influx of awareness of Neptune and Pisces that maybe we've kind of forgotten about. Who knows? This 
it's such like a grand delusion feel to it. I mean, it's just the Neptune presence is extremely heavy throughout the month with Neptune being highlighted to me in this capacity, right? It's just like, woo! To me, it's uh, being lost in our screens, lost in our realities, trying to figure out what's fantasy from reality, trying to discern truth, which is a big story between Gemini and Sagittarius yeah. already. What's true? What do you believe? And then Pisces kind of pulling it all together in terms of like, what do I believe in my heart? You know, this whole other kind of concept of belief that those mutable signs wrestle with. I mean, we'll see it to me. It's just, every time I think about Neptune and Pisces, I just think about all of us on our little devices and our screens and our trance states that we're constantly putting ourselves in when we're at home. Right. I mean, we have to put ourselves in little trances to survive the day. If that's playing games, if that's playing music, or if that's doing, taking drugs or getting drunk, I mean, we are all Piscesing. <laughs> Oh, we're all Neptuning in some capacity. And so I think that the story around kind of illusion and trance and uh, being tuned out to the truth, <laughs> uh, hopefully tapping back in. I don't know. I feel like when nodal squares happen, it can be a little uncomfortable because it's a square, right? So what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I second that, that uncomfortable space because it's like, it's, it's just a hinge in the pivot point to some extent. Um, and you're absolutely right about it. Kind of like, I think it, I think it was more prevalent back in November as we had the switches of a lot of things changing. And then we started to feel the lead up and you're like, Oh, I feel this Neptune signature. And then it kind of fizzled out because all these other things take place, but now it's like the genie that's reappearing. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden we see its face again and all the features are starting to form. And you're like, Oh my God, you were here the whole time. Um, right. Totally forgot about you. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but that's a big thing that's going on right now is that we all have our own version of what reality looks looks like. And we, and if we're trying to create a society that is better and reformed and, you know, along those same lines, and we're all living in these alternative understandings of what is, um, that's not helping anybody's situation. And this is what squares do is because squares, they are, they, there's always some action and events that come with them. Um, but I love, I think it was Bernadette Brady who's like, like, it's nobody's fault with the square. It's like, it is what it is. This is the live or let die position because it's like, you know, like it's, it, when you can point fingers all day, but it's just, it is what it is. And this is just where we're at. Um, and so it can feel very confusing. It feel very uncertain. These are, you know, doubt. These are the types of things that Neptune brings up in the North node, um, in, you know, Gemini and well in Sagittarius too. Sagittarius energy. These are energies that like to know they want mm. to know. And so when you put into this, this like confusing, like, uh, who knows? You're going to have to go on faith. How do you feel about faith? How do you feel about keeping hope? You know, like these are yeah, they're like, oh, God, I roll. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I want it laid out on a piece of paper that I can say, you know, I want it. Yeah. Yes. Fact. Where's the fact? Well, there are none right now. You know, facts are up for not all facts, not all facts, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there is this in-between point. Um, and I talked about this earlier, how, you know, just people might be dealing with, uh, you know, the, uh, downsides of Neptune, which can, a lot of times can be like grief components, um, and yes. dissolving of things, uh, that may have happened earlier on. And now there's kind of the, like, uh, the realization of that, that still needs to be pushed through, uh, in some way. And, and it could be grief for something that happened in your life, uh, that was difficult or that you've been enduring in the past, like handful of months. 
or it can be just grief in the collective situation and feeling like, uh, you know, the uncertainty of the world you once lived in, it does not exist anymore. Um, and that can be very confusing, but it's also a point of um, creation. And uh, that's a, a beautiful part of Pisces is the ability to create um, and imagineer new situation. So it's a weird, it's an interesting space to be in. It's a little misty, right? And, and it's interesting too, because I mean, talking about this idea of no one knows what the truth is or everyone's in their own kind of fantasy about this, which is how we actually operate, you know, and it just feels especially uh, prevalent right now because yeah. we're all like, oh yeah, oh, this is really true, huh? Yeah. Um, what, I, what I think is really interesting about this though, you know, in these kind of late days of January here, the 23rd through the 26th is that at the same time we're having Neptune highlighted, we also have all the Saturn action, right? We have the sun conjoining Saturn on the 23rd. So it's like, what's the vision? What's the dream versus like, how do you make it happen? Or what's the reality, you know, depending on, on your situation or your scenario concerning these planets, concerning the collective. Um, I, I, I'm almost grateful that the sun Saturn thing is there. And normally I'd kind of be like, Oh God, you know, sun Saturn day, but it's now it's like, Oh wait, actually I, I see that. And I'm like, okay, good. You're like, uh, Thank God. <laughs> someone has a grip on reality. The sun and Saturn are here, people. They know what to do. Someone has to know what to do, right? Because Neptune is just like, we're out to sea, baby. Who knows? Like, let it go, let it drift, let it, let it float. But me, I see that sun Saturn thing and I'm like, okay, I mean, hopefully that's, hopefully that has some reality binding aspects, right? That can kind of ground us as we kind of continue through this whole first quarter phase, really right after this inauguration, if it all goes according to plan, um, just trying to find our footing. So I'm grateful for the Sun-Saturn conjunction and to have that kind of anchor, even though yeah. normally I'd be like, eh, you know, it'd be but kind of a bummer feeling, but you know, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the sun, the sun, the beauty of the sun is it illuminates us. It's like, it could be a bummer if you're not crazy about Saturn and then you get Saturned mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, now I'm fully aware that your presence is here. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes we need that and uh, we got to look at Saturn as our friend, especially if we're looking for a more stability um, and, uh, you know, structure in a situation. Um, and that's a good part to keep in mind too, just knowing that all this energy we're talking about is basically sandwiched between first quarter and that uh, dynamic full moon. Um, and that is the hot and dry phase of the lunar cycle, which it has the most action just in general. So just take the fact that we have the craziest new moon setup. We have all this action that is happening between January 20th and January 28th. Like this is a pivotal spot of 2021 for everyone on any level. Like, just keep that in mind. Like, pay attention to what goes down this week in your life because there, this is, there's much more to this story <laughs> than, you know, than meets the eye. Um, I do like sun, the sun conjuncting Saturn once again, starting up a new cycle, a new relationship with Saturn. The first one um, that will be in the Aquarius space, uh, which is nice. Um, but there's this interesting component of also having it square Uranus on the 26th, which is the same day that Neptune exacts its square with the nodes. Um, but it makes me wonder because the sun really brings consciousness to light, um, and illuminates us in some way. And Uranus can be, uh, revelation because we're, you know, like you're just woken up. So I have a feeling it might mitigate some of the Neptune square that we've had so long where it gets to its apex point, but then we're woken up. We're like, 
yeah. we're out, we're like woken up out of the Neptunian haste or even like uh-huh. challenged with it at some time. Yeah. It's like, you've been in this dream and this is a stark revelation of like Uranus energy and Saturn energy. That's like, no, this is what's happening. And this whole, this whole handful of months of like, Ooh, you know, I feel like this is going to be a real wake up call um, because it lights up that Saturn Uranus square and it has like a, a judgment quality to it, <laughs> to me. It does. Oh my God. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I mean, I guess we'll need to be kind of woken up out of that haze and, and kind of reconnect with all of this. And, and that's, what's so beautiful about, about the sun. Like you're saying, like the sun going into, to talk with Saturn, to go talk with Jupiter at the full moon. Those two are like right together during yes. that full moon phase. I mean, and I don't know if that kind of leads us right there because it that does lead. Moon. Let's, let's talk about that full moon, uh, yeah. January 28th at nine degrees of Leo. It's a, it's a big one. It is. And you know what I thought was kind of interesting. I actually looked at the Sabian symbols, uh, for the, the new moon and the full moon this mm. month that we're looking at. And for nine Leo, um, I have blast blowers shaped beautiful vases with their controlled breathing. I was like, whoa, okay. Interesting. Like thought, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sabian symbols, but they're just like these beautiful kind of, I don't know, imaged like, uh, concepts that are attached to each degree of the Zodiac. Um, and really like, I love this idea of like glass blowers, you know, using this controlled breath to create something. Right. And I, that's kind of beautiful for a full moon in Leo. And I, well, this is a very hot, tense full moon that as I'm looking at it right now. And of course it's like square Uranus, it's square Mars. I like to think of this kind of this image of like doing a beautiful thing with control and discipline, which are really kind of tied into the whole essence of Leo and Aquarius in some capacity, right? I mean, mm. we're looking at individuality versus the group and in a in a larger sense, democracy versus monarchy or dictatorship. That's true too. <laughs> so um like, Hmm. Well, did you look, Mac, at uh, 10 degrees, Leo? I didn't. Did you? Just be, well, no, because uh, typically with Sabian symbols, you round up to the next degree. Oh, my God. I'm a bad astrologer. No, no you're not. There's, there, is, <laughs> there actually is debate around such things, but because the Sabian symbol goes to 30, uh, a 30 degree symbol, oh, that's why we round God. up. But I also have a feeling that we're going to be feeling nine like crazy just anyways, because all those lead up degrees, like the Sabian symbols to me are like the story that right. builds like they, I think they all are very important, especially the lead up degrees, especially those degrees that are going to happen between, um, six degrees and the 11 degrees, because the moon is just going to, you know, square, uh, Uranus. It's going to like oppose the sun, oppose Jupiter, square Mars. Like this is like what the moon and our like timing element is doing at a full phase. And so if that isn't like, hallelujah, what the hell is happening here? Um, and drama because you know, Leo moons and just Leo in general, (laughs) you know, yeah, they want. What do we know a, about Leo? They want to um, make a public statement. Yeah, I, I mean, I, when I, when Mel asked me to be, even be on the show, I was like, "Oh my god, what, like a person like me talking about Aquarius, this Leo rising, a bunch of Leo planets." We were kind of like laughing about that concept of us exploring, you know, these kind of foreign, uh, this foreign energy to us. And I'm happy we are. <laughs> well, you do have Saturn in Aquarius, though. I have an IC in Aquarius. Like the foundation of my chart is Aquarius. I feel you're right, Aquarian by nature. Um, <laughs> Let's look, let's look it up. Let's see what, uh, what? Oh God. So yeah, I had no idea about this whole Sabian. Let's, symbol let's surprise ourselves. 
Yeah. Because okay. This so is, guys, this is everyone your honest for, moment, right? That's how forget it, my beautiful glass blowing imagery. I think your uh, glass blowing is still, uh, I think it's still relevant. I, we're just, that. we're adding, we're going to add to it. Ooh, okay. Um, so we go from glass blowers. Okay. So Leo 10 is early morning dew. Keyword rejuvenation theme, a new and better day. Interesting. I like that. We like, we love to hear it. Um, I mean, considering the the full moon, like if I didn't look at or think about these Sabian symbols, I would have not ever thought about morning dew or or beautiful controlled breathing. Um, (laughs) But I'm happy. We're going to need that beautiful (laughs) controlled breathing. I think that is like, if that isn't what we need in this Aquarius season, I don't know what is. I think, I feel like we can take that Sabian symbol and roll it for the whole, (laughs) yeah, for the whole symbol. Maybe it's stuck in here for a good reason because we need to remember. Exactly. Well, that's it. That's what calms us down. That's what gets us to, um, like, if we're going to appease the Mars, Uranus energy and Taurus, what does Taurus love most? It loves peace. It loves, loves simplicity. Um, you know, like it needs meditation. It needs just like quiet and some downtime. Um, and so one of the best ways to get to that is the, is the breath and, and like centering yourself and being that. So, it absolutely got in there for this reason, because I think it might be one of the best pieces of advice that you could possibly give for this yeah. take, season. Take, take a breath, take a few, take you a deserve breath. it. Like, hyper right. It reminds me of uh, this. I'll say it real quick, just because we're talking about like the idea of like uh, qu- quakes, um, like the ground shaking and stuff. It's like, you know, living in Southern California, um, you know, there's always the like, is when's the big one coming? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> when's it going to happen? And I had lived here for so many years and I never experienced anything. And then one year, um, it, and this happened on Easter and we had a quake here in San Diego and it was, a, it was a decent sized one. Um, and it was the first I had ever felt. And the funny thing is, is my mom had always been kind of like concerned with them or like, you know, why would you want to live there? They have earthquakes there. And I'm like, mom, I never felt one, you know? So of course, I would be on the phone with my mom when the earthquake happened. And so I'm like, we're talking, it's Easter, you know? And then all of a sudden I stopped. I'm like, wait, hold on, hold on. I think we're having an earthquake. Oh my God, we're having an earthquake. I'm like, where do I go? I'm like, I'm like looking around, like things are shaking in my house. I'm like, you know, the whole, it was like one of those rolling earthquakes. You just feel like, like everything's rolling. And I went and stood in the kitchen um, and the, like the doorway, <laughs> I don't know if that was good at all. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. And my mom is yelling at me. She's like, breathe, just breathe. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Which is so funny because like, that is not relaxing at all. <laughs> just yelling at someone to breathe. And I go running down the stairs. Like I'm in like tears because I'm trying to figure out what to do. I go down my neighbors, uh, in the building, they're all out there. They're laughing. They're having a great time, you know, California natives. They're like, Oh, you know, and I'm like streaming tears. We had just yelled to to breathe. Yeah, I feel like that story really fits the bill here. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So, you know, and may, maybe that's it. Maybe that's part of it is like that quake that we feel. Maybe it's not as detrimental as we might think it is. Maybe it's something to actually laugh about and get perspective on once we get past it. And we're like, oh, that wasn't so, that right. wasn't too crazy. I mean, this full moon is packed, right? I mean, just considering the other aspects here too, we have 
I mean, I laughed when I was writing horoscopes for this yeah. day. <laughs> it's just like insane. It's like, where do you start? Uh, <laughs> right. Venus is conjunct Pluto this day. At the same time, the sun is conjunct Jupiter. So it's roping in the Jupiterian kind of ambitions and qualities of Jupiter kind of moving through our Aquarius house, illuminating that new Jupiter story. At the same time that we have Saturn in there. So we have this kind of funny uh, contraction, expansion story in our Aquarius houses, right? Like, which which is it? Uh, Saturn, of course, has <laughs> the upper hand because Jupiter is working for Saturn at this time, yes. right? Being ruled by Aquarius. Um, so yeah, so we have that kind of like, like normally that's kind of like an uplifting kind of to me, that's like good, but you know, then we have Venus Pluto who's, you know, in Capricorn, that's heavy. I mean, that's heavy. I mean, what do you feel about that Venus Pluto? Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. This is what I'll say about this Venus Pluto and why this isn't particularly important. And, and to me is going to start a whole thing that's going to come back later on is because, you know, once again, we have a conjunction, we have a new cycle starting Venus meeting Pluto. It's going to uproot some sort of social dynamic. It's going to uproot relationship energies. Um, and that could, that can be a positive thing too, because if things need to change in your dynamics with other people, um, this is the opportunity to do that. And especially having the sun conjunct Jupiter at the same time, you know, there is an element of something dying, something moving forward, something reaching climax. Like this is a pivotal moment. Um, but it's one that's stabilizes us going further just because there are these fixed energies that are really at play. So there's a lot of new beginning energy in here, I think. Um, and mm -hmm. it's funny because I was just talking about this with my partner uh, yesterday, They're like talking through a channeled reading or whatever. We were talking about like creation um, and being afraid sometimes to create because of the destruction that ensues. And like the channeled entities were like, well, there is no, you know, that's, you're just creating. There's no destruction because you're just creating, like you're moving forward. Like the destruction is, seems like a byproduct and we think of it that way, but it's just a creation, you know, like that moves on to the next thing. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, with these conjunctions taking place, yeah, something might be ended. Something might seem like it's destructive, but really if we focus our mindset on the idea that something is being created um, and that maybe the, the letting go or the end, that's just like a byproduct of what new brings to us is part of the cycle. But why I bring this up of like this being so important to kind of concentrate uh, on with Venus and Pluto is that later in this year, in December, Venus is going to go retrograde um, on Pluto in the same spot. So we're going to get basically one of those quick 10-month Venus-like situations where she will have done her Venus-Pluto agenda, come to then... Uh, conjunct Pluto again, station, all of December is Venus and Pluto meeting. And then she, so there might be an inkling to this story that comes around at this full moon that is some sort of story that is involved later this year, I guess is what I'm saying. It's like part of like the, you know, the, the, the deep changes and the transformations that are going on in the Venus area of your life um, and in culture. Uh, there's another transformative element that is much lengthier in process that's to come later this year. That's what I'm saying. Wow. I didn't realize that. I haven't looked that far ahead. That's great news. Oh. Yeah. Great news, Venus and Pluto just hanging out for like an infinite Maybe amount of time. Yeah. Get wow. ready for that. But it speaks to also the social dynamic because Venus, she's, you know, she's our relationships with other people, but in the collective sphere, this is 
you know, the so- social dynamic for all of us. Um, and, and who knows, maybe there'll be new news about, uh, we're talking about all this and we forgot about old pandemic. Um, yeah, you know? yeah. Oh yeah. It's just, just become so normalized that it's like, who cares? Yeah. Right. No, that's major. Uh, so it makes me wonder too, at that point, if there'll be new news there that affects some sort of changes to the social, uh, dynamic and moving that forward in some way. Interesting. Definitely. That sounds on par. Especially since we get past that Neptune node square too. And that, I mean, granted, it's going to take some time to start separating from that. It's going to take several oh, months, yeah. but, um, but just knowing like the, uh, ah, of it is, <laughs> that was kind of right. like, um, gone. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so we have this full moon lit up. Look at Le- where Leo is in your chart. Look at all these fixed elements. Look at Aquarius, Leo, Taurus. Where are these houses taking place? How does that look for you? Because those areas are going to be lit up. They're going to be in a crunch of a T-square. So there's going to be probably stocked up energy um, in that can lead to frustrations, but also uh, activating forces that can be very stabilizing in some way. And it's going to look different for every single person is, I guess, what we can say. Exactly. Um, yeah. Emotionally intense uh, full moon for sure. I mean, especially just because Venus Pluto is so active, uh, relighting up that Mars Uranus square between this full moon. It's like, we, we are not escaping the story, right? It is very much present. Uh, the mm. entire beginning, right? I mean, Mars Uranus, we can't escape it. It's just like ping, 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 like consistently getting activated. Well, I think you just said something that was very, that's very important, Mac, is it's very present. And if there's one thing that fire is all about is it's being in the moment and being present and being in the now. And there's something about this full moon that's probably going to put us right smack dab in the moment that we're in. And that's the best place to be. And also remembering that that's where our power is at all times. You know, if you, it's not in the future, it's not in the past. We always really threw those bags over the cliff. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like this, it, it, like, utilize this moon to recognize what you need in the moment because in the moon are always our needs leo adds to what our personal needs are versus the collective maybe or these other situations so you might find that you have a need that needs that is prevalent and it's honoring that need is can help you know where you're going to fit in in society or know how right. you can you know, like that's that's an important part. We're going to feel that polarity. Um, but to also go along with what you're saying, Mac, with the, uh, just all the Taurus energy and Uranus and Mars being there, like they're deferring to Venus. That's, that's their, that's their go-to right now. And that's on Pluto. So that's that Venus and that Venus Pluto action is very important for, those reasons, because it really brings us right back to Aquarius and Taurus, no matter how we kind of get, get from it. Exactly. Um, so what happens the next day? So what the whole time where I'm talking about Mercury and Mercury is basically stationing during right. this full moon, which uh, is going to make things extra. That's another thing too, because when Mercury stations, it's like, Oh, pay attention right now because you're going back over something or like there's, there, there's prevalent information that is coming down the pipeline. And so, I mean, what do you think about Mercury stationing at 26 degrees of Aquarius the next day? Right. Well, I think it's interesting because now we're going into the air triplicity, right? Again, we're, again, we've got Saturn and Jupiter starting in the new air triplicity after that conjunction in December. And now we've got Mercury retrogrades 
beginning in the air triplicity. We've had Mercury retrograde in water, I think maybe the last year and a half or two years. Mercury usually stays in that kind of, uh, it rides out through the triplicities, right? So now all you air sign people or your air, you know, one has air houses, look to your air houses to see where all these retrogrades are going to be occurring for you, right? So now, you know, we go from, uh, I think as Erin Sullivan puts it, she talks about like Mercury retrograde and water being, what is the meaning? What is the quality of my life? Now, Mercury retrograde and air is asking, what is the meaning of the relationships in my life, right? So we go from this like emotionally, uh, you know, kind of really hard to speak Mercury, feeling in all those kind of very unconscious watery houses for us and now going into air and, you know, kind of giving us a reassessment of our priorities. Uh, and of course with air, we, we are really in like true Mercury retrograde, uh, you know, we're, we're right there because that's the heart of Mercury retrograde is dealing kind of with air qualities, right? Communication mishaps, like all these, this, these whole concepts are very activated because thinking and communicating, you know, sharing ideas, this is all air and air is extremely social, right? So we are kind of allowing ourselves new opportunities to focus on our relationships uh, with this air triplicity activated throughout the next year and a half or two years. Um, so really looking at our relationships in a new light, you know, how do we communicate? Um, it's not exactly as emotional, which is probably nice. Um, yeah. More objectivity, right? Um, but really kind of revisiting whatever was in that Aquarius house for you um, and really releasing a lot of unconscious social stress by looking at what is the input and the output of my expression with other people and my engagements or how much, you know, maybe you're going to be like, you know, how much energy can I give this person or how much energy can I give this or, or am I being clear enough? Am I being heard? Am I being too quiet? I mean, these are all suddenly things around these topics are going to, I think, emerge. I mean, when I think about retrogrades and air, that feels, that feels like that's what's coming up. Yeah. That feels right. Right. I mean, it feels right. Well, I mean, when we think of air, we're talking about like air it out. I mean, that's another thing that might come too, is like, if we've been holding things uh, in to some extent, uh, we might find that we get to the threshold of such things. Um, <laughs> and then we have to air out things that we might've been holding on to that have been affecting us in some way that need to be, you know, re-gone over and we can't just skip, skip them over and move on into the future. Like they still need to be like honored and like discussed. And, um, and so I think that the, the period of just this mercury retrograde will give us a, you know, opportunity to really, um, go through discussions that might have uh, been glossed over in a superficial manner before, because that's another thing with air is like air can tackle mm-hmm. things on a, on a superficial level. Um, and maybe we need to like dive into that just a little bit more, like go over, pick apart those pieces um, in some way. And, and we know that air too is about, is a spot of future potential. And so a lot of us have the future on our mind, especially when we are like jam packed with Aquarius energy. Um, and once again, we might have to wrap our minds more around uh, future plans, especially in the house that is Aquarius for you, um, and go back over that in a mental space to like work some things out. Maybe things we had a plan before in that area of our lives and it got switched because of all the like disruptive energy that was, you know, squaring into it, especially even up to that full moon. And so it might give us like, oh wait, my mind was totally on this trajectory for the future. And now that's not there, or this is a new influence or this information came in. And now we're like, oh, how am I going to do this? I have to, you know, work. So that's kind of what I'm thinking of like, 
because at the end of the day, the Mercury retrograde, the beauty of it is it's going to slow down and station to go direct on Jupiter. So if there was any Mercury retrograde, that's going to have like a, like a really solid, like come back at you when you go direct, like seeing that future being, you know, like to me, this is that retrograde, but there's almost like the judgment moment that happens. I keep talking about before we get into that process to, um, of understanding. Yeah, that's beautiful. I didn't realize I'm looking at it now that, that it stations right there on Jupiter, really bringing us right back to our aspirations for our Aquarius house, right? Trying to be like, okay, what are we really working on here? We've got Saturn who's trying to build the bones and give it the structure, but Jupiter's got the dreams, got the vision and, and right, it has right. the, the hope in its heart to make it happen. So, woo, that's exciting. That's well, really it is, isn't it? I think that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how that uh, yeah. plays out. Yeah, and, and it will be really Venus... Um, um, Mercury, Venus, and Jupiter dancing together for quite yeah. some time. And so I, I like uh, you that. know, like get past the, the the squares, get past the full moon, get past the sun squaring Mars, which we haven't talked about. That's in a couple days after Mercury stationing right. and know that there seems to be relief on the other side and a lot of time to yeah. process um, and go, you know, and resituate some of the denser or heavier, uh, chaotic energies, um, that might have come totally through the first part of things. I think that retrograde is going to be very handy. <laughs> you know, everyone tends yes. to dread it, but I think it's going to be like a nice, uh, kind of just making mental space again, kind of like cleansing that out, uh, releasing some of that unconscious social stress. Um, I, I, I look forward to it because I think we're going to need it <laughs> at that yeah. point. I totally, um, agree. Right. I totally agree. And then of course we have the sun square Mars, which just like lights right on um, February 1st, right? When we get in February, it's just like, Hey, welcome to February. Things are on fire again. <laughs> right? Oh, so, everybody. There's going to be energy abound. We got the confusion of mercury happening that same spot. It's another time to like slow your roll a little bit. Um, but you know, like that's, and that might be kind of like where mercury's head head is too. just, having sun squaring Mars at the same time, because once again, that illuminating factor is, uh, you know, activating and, and looking with that tension and friction with, uh, you know, the planet that motivates us and gets things done. And, um, and so there might be wake up calls, uh, around that, you know, like what, you know, how much energy do I have? What am I putting my energy into? It's like a turning point, um, for that. And of course it can be a little chaotic in the public sphere too, because that's just the nature of sun, sun square and Mars. You know, we had sun squaring Mars when we had the, um, you know, George Floyd riots and things along those lines. Not that that will be the exact same. There's different components in the sky mm-hmm. by all means, but, um, and it's interesting, Mac, because the same day we have sun square Mars, Venus moves into Aquarius. And so she gets a lot more social Uh, too. So it's, um, I feel like people could be out there with a message and a message we've already heard before, but we're, they're coming back mm -hmm. with the, Oh yeah. I mean, with the Aquarius signature so strong at this point, right. I mean, we're really, like you're saying exactly like we're going to be having that kind of social reawakening. Um, Aquarius is always connected with like social justice. We always see that, like that kicking up dust through time and time again, through history. So having like this just added impact of the sun and Mercury who wants to stay a little longer, right? Stay a little longer in that Aquarius realm, that retrograde uh, with Venus and Jupiter. I mean, it's just like, it's a it's an Aquarius party question mark? It's a party. <laughs> it's like, let's try to, you know, kind of 
figure out what the message is, what we're, what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> Queen of Aquarius is nice. She has to go through quite a bit of, you know, she has her own interesting uh, journey through Aquarius. I yes. think but luck, she does have some, I think she has a, a little dignity here, which will, will be helpful. But she's a little happier here than she has in Capricorn, I think. Well, let's talk about her journey, which makes me think of like all these Aquarius planets. I'm like, they did not get the six feet apart memo. They did not. They're <laughs> Wait, like, <yeah>. that's, <laughs> they are COVID they're, like, pa- they're party in Aquarius. Um, <laughs> but that's so, all right. So Venus is an Aquarius now. She had social planet, relationship planet. She's kicking up some, you know, probably some social justice dust. Uh, she's probably adding unique elements to our own relations. And, uh, you know, cause once again, we're in this individualistic space, this, uh, airy space, a detached space. Uh, so it could have like s- kind of Venus and Sag situation, but different, you know, right. like, so it, that, that'll be a, that'll be a, a, a feel for her. But so basically what's going to happen is she's going to conjunct Saturn on February 5th, uh, square Uranus the following day on the yeah. 6th. Uh, and then conjunct Jupiter on the 11th. So it's almost like she hits a block. She's challenged with some sort of like liberation or like letting go. And then she gets a forward momentum and a nice sweet, like, oh, you did the work or you did, you know, you like went through this roller coaster of a wa- ride and now maybe I'm giving you some, I'm giving you some help with Jupiter. I love that. That's so interesting. You know, I didn't even think about, I think, cause I've been writing for this day. Actually, I was writing about this day today and I was like, how do I even go from Venus, Saturn to Venus, Uranus? It's like, it's such a, it's right there. It's all in this like couple of days of her kind of dealing with this blockages, this block energy, whatever that is. And then running right into Uranus, kind of adding some, adding some fire to the mix and kind of like needing to shake things up. Right. Kind of, um, we always get a little, relationship surprises here when yes. Venus here in a stance. And I think with Venus in Aquarius, something I kind of wanted to mention before was like this, um, the need for authenticity in Aquarius is so important, kind of like finding who we are in the midst of who we've been kind of, you know, led to believe who we are. So I think that a lot of authentic demands within our own heart kind of come through at this juncture, especially, and especially in our relationships, like what's my authentic truth? You know, am I, am I being real to that? Am I being real to that in my relationship? Um, all these things are likely to kind of crop up on a potentially on a personal level. Yeah. Uh, collectively, I don't know how Lady Venus here is going to be um, playing out. But mm. I do like that she ends with Jupiter, though. Again, I think that that has some, like you said, just kind of like a little treat after going through the trauma. The yeah. treat after the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, cause it's all, a lot of times we have to go through the difficult stuff. We got to go through the stuff that challenges us to get to the treasure, you know, to wrest the treasure from the dragon basically. So okay. we're going to have to, uh, kind of, you know, go, go up against that, you know, commitments might be up for, you know, to relook at because we're feeling the, you know, the squirreliness of, of Uranus, or maybe in order to go to a next level of commitment, something has to be, uh, shaken up and repositioned. And, um, so there, there is that volatile energy. Um, now the square to Uranus, I mean, this is kind of like part of the journey, uh, the, the conjunctions with Saturn and Jupiter, these are full new cycles. So the Uranian component may throw, you know, a stick in the spoke, but it's not necessarily the end all be all of the story. It's like, it's more focused on Saturn, the, the commitment, the staying power, uh, power and the Jupiter, the forward growth within 
the connections. Um, and then Uranus is going to give us a curveball when we're trying to figure out the Saturn piece. Uh, and so I guess don't stick to that as much, but do honor what the Saturn component is asking you, of you in those connections because Saturn is kind of big daddy um, within <laughs> within a, a lot of this. So so Uranus throws the curveball, but it's it's not the end of the world. It's it just wakes you up in some way. It's not insurmountable. It just I think is just kind of like a like think on your toes. Be flexible. Don't um, be so rigid about certain things because if you want these areas to grow, you're going to have to give it some, give it some space, give it some room, uh, add the authenticity that you were saying. Um, yeah. You know, there. And to notice too, I mean, I just realized that the last quarter moon actually is on uh, February 4th, right? So we're days before Venus kind of even gets into, into the mix with Saturn and Uranus. She is, we've got that last quarter moon, which of course is kind of like this toning down, this beginning to release, to, to move through and kind of wane through that cycle uh that started back with that new moon in capricorn that's when we're kind of reaching that closure almost in that last degree that crisis in consciousness right as dan rejali says it's kind of that that shifting of perspective that reorientation uh so we get that kind of reorientation note right before venus gets into this whole party um and as you kind of noted here uh right it kind of trines the north node as well so we know that whatever this kind of shifting is are going through is going to be kind of leading us on the right path regardless, which is, I think, quite lovely. So we know we're, yeah. we're heading in the right space with whatever that kind of work is that we're putting in, um, however uncomfortable it might be. And I also thought, my, my thought about this last quarter moon was that like, oh, we get to finally like actually be with our feelings again. as like a water <laughs> person. I was like, oh, this is when I will be in crisis mode. Um, you know, like I'll finally get the release. I'll get the Scorpio. We'll, we'll be sitting in it again, right? Like we'll have the because air can be so in its head, right? And Mars is so in the body and it's so physically concerned with like, again, kind of survival mode. Suddenly Scorpio comes in and says like, oh my God, we haven't even like dealt with all the feelings around this, the grief, the pain, the... So I think that there will be a moment to kind of steep back into your feelings here and get back into like your gut. You know, Scorpio will reawaken that, uh, that feeling of kind of just getting back in touch with your emotions because so much air is happening that we can be like a little out there. And, uh, I think, I think that last quarter moon will help in that regard. Yeah, it it will. Because I mean, even if it's like difficult to get through the emotions, like just letting it out and having like a good cry or like a good, like that's therapeutic. Like you got to let that, especially if we've like compartmentalized it, like you said, maybe in a detached head space or like just in, just in the body and in reality. And it's like, well, how do I feel about all this? What I have not, oh my God, I haven't consulted my feelings this whole, <laughs> this whole time. I've like, kind of just like pushed through and, um, you know, yeah. like, uh, and, and I think, and, and it's important because the lead up to this last quarter is going to be basically the moon opposing, um, you know, Uranus and squaring Jupiter, uh, opposing Mars and then squaring the sun. So the lead up is a little, a little gnarly, um, and so we're probably going to be reawakened to how we feel about certain things. And that will play into the whole story that Venus continues to do throughout basically up until the new moon. Um, but that last quarter seems pivotal for just what you're saying, Mac, like just kind of like coming back to how we feel about certain things. And um, it could be a rude awakening, but a necessary one uh, that will mm-hmm. let us release and heal in some way because it, it, things can be 
trying and, uh, you know, like we got to let it go. And at the same time, it's nice too, because, you know, Mercury makes its inferior Kazemi to the sun on the eighth. Um, and so it's like after Venus, like squares Uranus conjuncts, uh, Saturn, we've had the last quarter. Then we kind of get like that hit of like mental aware, like insight, uh, at the same time that Mercury and the sun trying the North node on the ninth. So it's like, get through, you know, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. And then by like kind of the eighth and the ninth, I think we're going to be like at least solid in the headspace of like, okay, I see after all that, I see how this is, how this is going, where this is going. Um, and it will challenge us to some extent because then Mercury squares Mars at that point on the 10th. Um, but the nice thing about this with the cycles of the sun and Mars is that at that point, the sun will have already squared Mars. So we already had like a conscious hit around it. And maybe mm-hmm. Mercury in its retrograde process at this point is just, um, you know, seeding it and understanding it and like reconfiguring it on uh, an internal level of understanding more so than like this outward, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it seems nice. Yeah. I agree. And what's interesting about the inferior conjunction in itself um, is that it like usually marks that time to kind of scale back. It, it's about resting, about recuperating. It's like when you're halfway through that journey um, and you got to scale down to let the unconscious work begin and like let things kind of come up because that's when we're about to be moving into the Promethean phase of Mercury in a few weeks, right? Now we're kind of still in this Epimethean. Epimethean is like a more backward focused, a little more emotionally focused Mercury, a little slower. Um, so this is a very unconsciously active time and you want to make sure you're kind of editing out any extra stuff to, that you're dealing with mentally um, because you're going to be, you know, with that journey half over, you're making room to reorient and allow kind of some fresh insights to be coming in and coming in they shall, right? Um, yeah. As we close out that last quarter. Yeah. It, absolutely. That's a great point because it's like, that's kind of when Mercury comes back into its own to start to reseed that. Um, and we are done with, with the past rehash uh, and the unconscious portion. And now we're like, oh, I'm aware of this. I'm more conscious of this. I've got the the direction of the trine to the North Node. I've got the energy behind it with the square to Mars. So it could just be a busy time too, uh-huh. uh, where we're attending to things that maybe needed our, you know, that have been on our plate that we haven't gotten to yet. And like, you know, like there, there, it has a nice act of, you know, activating energy to it. And so it might be busy, but at least I feel like we're going to be busy with a sense of purpose or like a mm-hmm. sense of direction where we're like, you know, it's, it's not as chaotic in that sense. It's busy, um, might be tired afterwards, but it's, it feels direct, you know, directed in some way, exactly. um, basically from the eighth to the 10th. So get through that third through the seventh, you're going to have a better understanding of things from the eighth through the 10th. And it's fascinating to me. I'll just mention it real quick. Cause uh, you know, we we only have so much time to say all these things, but um, Saturn also makes a sextile to the to Chiron on the ninth. And that's, that's a slow brewing thing too. And when we think about all these like um, kind of volatile situations that we've posed and things that we have to get through um, it feels like when we stick to the Saturn energy, there's going to be some sort of like healing opportunity that comes with the Chiron piece, um, in, in Aries, uh, and, and healing to our own character, our own, like, you know, 
who we are, what our personal like directive is in some of that Mars energy that might've been going down. And so I think that the, the, with some sort of discipline, with some sort of like bigger, like picture plan, like rootedness, we can get to like a healing opportunity that through it all, but it still requires work and commitment and exactly. sticking with it. <laughs> I think like, right, like uh, Aries and Aquarius, this connection talking about like healing, maybe the the individual and your place in the group or healing your place in the collective, reawakening to where you've been wounded around the collective, maybe mm-hmm. kind of revisiting that emotionally, mentally. It's kind of like an abstract, funny concept to me as a Leo. But I, when I come into it, I can see like, oh yeah, when you have Leo planets, and you don't have much Aquarius, you're like, oh yeah, like what, what does the collective mean to me? I mean, maybe kind of ruminating on this concept could really, can really um, come through with this Saturn Chiron sextile, I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point because we all fit in there somewhere and we're all going to be very aware of it as all this Aquarius comes in. Um, right. So, and know. Aquarius makes you aware of where you don't fit in too, right? You yes, it you're does. The, where you're the exile, where you're the weirdo, where you're eccentric, where yes, you- it does. Different. So you can have, there can be plenty of pain around that too, where you're like, oh, that, you know, maybe in high school, maybe you felt alienated and in adulthood, you feel like this, all this stuff, I think probably ties into that whole concept. So mm. it's like, yeah, healing that, that piece could be very interesting. Yeah. And well, in having, in thinking about, I forget who said this. And so if you know, or forgive me, if you said it, I don't know, but they were talking about, um, you know, people that have heavy Aquarius energy, what happens is either they like go their own way uh, and they're authentic to themselves, but then they're like, you know, apart from the collective or the society or like kind of exiled in some way, or they're friends with everyone and they're all part of the community, but that at the end of the day, they're not true to themselves and have lost their own identity within it. And so it's finding that, that healthy balance to be who you are, um, with, you know, just, in the confidence to do so, because we know the sun, I guess we haven't really said this either, is that the sun um, is in a detriment position the whole time right. while like, in yeah. while in Aquarius. So, you know, being that solar sense, that Leo full moon, uh, knowing the sun is exalted in Aries where Chiron is, you know, those types of things that sun consciousness can be a little foreign or difficult for uh, the Aquarius sun energy. And so- yeah, fine, you know, just be it being who you are and being okay with that and knowing that you will always find your flock, you know, when it, but you almost have to be true to yourself, you know, almost you do. You have to be true to yourself first to set up the law of attraction and the right vibratory energy to then attract the people that are going to be your community or your network. Um and so you lay the foundation of being you in order to cultivate the community that then comes after it rather than being like, oh, I like this community and I'm going to fit myself in to that because you're just going to be uncomfortable and no one wants to be that. You don't want to be exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, Mac. Well, this brings us to uh, kind of uh, almost almost the end, but it's like there's so much, uh, we can almost like pack this all into one sort of event to some yes, extent. Absolutely. Uh, and that's the new moon at 23 degrees of Aquarius on February 11th. Um, and so the new moon signature, and, it, and so this new moon is like, it, it's embroiled in many things, 
It's leading us to the first pass of Saturn squaring Uranus on the 17th, about six days later. But they're going to be so close at this point that in the new moon, it is pretty much an almost an exact square, getting pretty close. Um, but it has Venus, Mercury, retrograde, and Jupiter all conjunct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're dancing in between each other from February 11th to the 14th of, of Valentine's Day. When you think about Venus, Jupiter, and Mercury <laughs> all together for Valentine's Day, it seems kind of nice. Um, yeah. And they're trining in and out of the North Node space. Um, but it's all kind of leading to the Saturn Uranus. And so, I mean, what do you think about that that new moon? And Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. It's such an interesting configuration, right? Like as you were just pointing out, you got some like kind of like sweet little cuddle puddle of planets, Mercury and Venus and Jupiter all kind of cozied up. And then this new moon really kind of solidifying whatever ambitions or structures we were putting into place in that Aquarius house, trying to just really nail home that concept one more time and be like, this is what we're here to do. By that point, you know, this new moon is not talking to Mars and Uranus at well, actually, it is, yeah, duh, because uh, it's ruled by Saturn. So Saturn yeah. <laughs> deeply square Uranus. And so ignore everything I'm saying. Yeah, so Saturn is ruling this new moon and Saturn is tightly square Uranus, right? And this is like the pivotal theme of the year. Uh, it's massive, right? I mean, with Saturn, it's it's crazy because Saturn, right, is authority. Uranus is anti-authority. And suddenly, and these two, you know, in mythology, have such an interesting relationship. This is like daddy versus daddy. I mean, it's weird. I mean, Uranus is the father of Saturn, right? And Saturn yeah. castrates Uranus to kind of come out um, and free himself and wind up getting into a very similar situation down the road when Saturn eats all of his children. Uh, you know, I guess it runs in the family, but it's like, there's this whole, it's suddenly like, who's in control? And we know Saturn, it's kind of like Saturn being a, the son coming back to challenge dad. So it's like this rebellious teenager energy, but also being Saturn. And, you know, it's like dealing with, the status quo versus, you know, blowing it up and revolutionizing it, changing it. Um, so we're challenging authority and tradition, right? We are, we are literally at the precipice of reform, but there's a, a potential fear, Saturn, of change, Uranus. You know, we're, we're trying to break with tradition. We are breaking with authority. I mean, this offers us that chance to really uh, figure out what's going on here. And I mean, hopefully it's not, you know, Uranus, Uranian energy can be very rebellion and, and hopefully it's not like super rebellious in terms of like, you know, what was going on earlier last month and having those people back at play. Uh, I mean, it's very possible, but really this, a lot of this aspect talks about giving form to those new ideas that are cropping up in society and kind of confronting what we idealize as perfect versus what we can actually do in reality and try to like give some structure to these new concepts. And, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to be ho- like hopeful and positive about Saturn and Uranus. Um, but we've, we're coming to this place where we've got the status quo right up against this, this, you know, this cry for liberation. Yeah. And well, well, I think, I think we're going to experience this no matter what we're going to experience the tension here. We know the tension exists, but what can, uh, be gotten out of it? Uh, can we get the positive results that we are looking for through the tension? Because at the end of the day, a square is an activating force. It's an event. There is event nature to the the new moon, to the whole cycle, as there was with the Capricorn cycle. And and these are back-to-back Saturn new moons, too, um, with very important signatures. And why both of these lunar cycles, um, the one that will be ending at this point, uh, the one that's beginning on the 11th, 
they're, we are in Saturn's territory and we really are to like, and that's the beauty of it is because if we are looking for this structure, we're looking for this higher side of Saturn, this air Saturn, this Aquarius energy, this does give it to us because Uranus and Mars both have to defer to Venus and Aquarius who's on Jupiter. So that is a nice thing. I think there's going to be a strong social dynamic that's going on like that. We're not going to get away from that. But basically we have the sun, moon, Mercury retrograde, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn. They're all in Aquarius. And the the five planets I named before Saturn all have to talk to Saturn. And even Mars and Uranus have to talk to Saturn. Neptune has to talk to Saturn. Pluto is talking to Saturn. Basically, everyone is talking to Saturn and it, the buck stops at Saturn. So right. he's really got the upper hand. Like if, I, if we were doing a play-by-play sports cast right now, I'd be like, Saturn is coming in for the win. He's got all the players behind him and he's about to make it to the touchdown goal. Someone's getting him from the side, but he got through and, you know, like exactly. it, he, he's got to come through because at the end of the day, any planet in the sky goes to Saturn. And that's how it was too in uh, January of 2020. It was the same sort of lineup where every single planet at some particular point in time uh, due to the moon cycle had to defer to Saturn. And so. Right. Saturn times. Oh my God. It's so Saturnian. Right. And when these two clash, it's like, we're just breaking some major structures. We are dealing with what is not working anymore. Uh, facing it head on, trying to re-envision it, but also the beauty, I think, and some positive things to take away about this, although it can be a very, like you said, a very hard aspect. Um, you know, Saturn makes us work. It gives us the ability and the energy and the stamina to bring some new ideas and concepts down, right? We, we can make it work. Uh, the clash, obviously, it, may, it might take a little while, but we're going to figure it out. And hopefully Saturn can give us that energy um, and something I read, I wanted to share. I, I like loved this. Uh, I was as I was preparing for this. Um, I was in Aaron Sullivan's book, um, Saturn in Transit. Mm. He talks about you know the Saturn Uranus myth between the two, and I love this because, like I mentioned before, Uranus having all of these planets within him, or, or like this kind of crude feeling like monsters that he had swallowed and didn't really want to actualize or deal with, and Saturn castrates him. Yeah, uh, I loved this kind of image here. She talks about. Like the monsters stuffed back into Gaia's womb, they quietly reside there, awaiting liberation, and liberated they are when Saturn contacts Uranus. Those monsters within are not civilized, you know, and these are monsters we're going to be dealing with in society and in ourselves, but they are also not necessarily murderous. They simply are not refined, polished, or conformist. Uh, Embryonic characteristics, when we glimpse them in another, can be endearing. They are, in fact, our humanity. Uh, one need not do anything about them, but we do need to look at them to understand them and to give the self permission to experience the raw and primitive side of our nature. It will out whether we like it or not. Uranus is the unrefined gem. Unrefined gems are not often beautiful, but once cut into facets, they reflect an inner beauty previously imprisoned. Saturn is the gem cutter. I thought that was so beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful, Mac. That's so it, it, perfect. That's Aaron Sullivan. Isn't that poignant though? I mean, like we're, we're, that's exactly the heart of this aspect. It, it's cutting open these, we're dealing with our societal monsters. They are very clear. Uh, collective, our, our collective monsters. We are refining. We are, they're ugly. They're scary. We're afraid of all this stuff we're looking at and dealing with. 
And yet we're, we're refining and we're working through it and we're going to come up with a plan to make it work. I mean, so I thought that was like a, a really uplifting, uh, to me at least I was like, oh, okay. I love it. Right. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's, it speaks so much to it that we're going to end it on that because I think that it really like, let Saturn be the gem cutter. We do got to look at the things that are unsavory about, um, you know, other people we don't agree with, uh, and parts of ourselves we don't agree with. You know, we all have some sort of monsters that live inside because we aren't perfect. We have these, you know, there are, there are volatile energies. There's confusing, there's unrefined energies that live within all of us. And that is the nature of humanity and being here on the earth is to go through periods of refinement. And that is what Saturn does for us because it has us cope with uh, physical realities. It has us face, um, you know, maybe uh, difficult parts of ourselves or difficult parts of uh, previous actions and, and karmic implications that come from us. Um, but also the, the hard work of getting through all these things and being willing to look at uh, reality and putting it through a lens of like, you know, that's how you refine. That's how you, you don't refine by uh, chaos constantly. You don't refine um, by Neptune and looking away and pretending it doesn't exist. You refine by facing it head on um, and putting, you know, the, the blade to the gem Get all that rock cluster out. That's very Uranus and Taurus too. Just thinking it, about it, right? Like, oh God. Yeah. And instead of swallowing it, burying it, like like Uranus says here in this myth, like instead of just like hiding what you think is ugly and you know really looking at it and dealing with it, I think is going to be so important collectively and personally because we're all all going through it together. We're all there. No one get no no one escapes this. No one's nope. escaping this. So <laughs> buck up. Um, all right. Well, I, Mac, if you had like one word for Aquarius season, what would, how would you describe it? Oh my God. <laughs> First word that comes to mind. Liberation. <laughs> Liberate. Oh, that's my positive. That's my positive hope. Otherwise explosive. Hey, you know what? A lot of times <laughs> things have to explode in order to be liberated. So yes. explosions are not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it just means that the pressure has, uh, gotten so great that it needs release. And, you know, you got to release the pressure. What's um, your word? What's my word? Oh God. What is my word? Um, how about, uh, all I can see is shifting and mm. it's a very general word and it's not really talking about the fix, but I see like plates of earth shifting, yes. like, like, like not all at once. It's more like, um, ka-ching. and then we're like, mm, and then we kind of settle. We're like, oh, okay. And then it's like, Ka-ching. You're like, oh, wait, I just got settled here. Hold on. Let me. <laughs> and so it's just going to be a lot of like shift, settle into that. And just when you get comfortable, it's going to kachink again. And then you're going to have to like, oh, okay, well, let me adjust to this. And then you get comfortable for a second. And then like, that's how I feel. Like, right. I don't know if that's a word for that, but Kaching. Awesome. That's what. <laughs> that's the mood. That's the sound. That's the mood. That's the sound. <laughs> no, this is gonna. This is gonna be. Um, but hey, you know what? I think it's good for us to keep the positive side of things because this is an air sign. This is. Uh, these are positive signs. Um, and it's. I mean, optimism and behavior are everything in life. So if you're gonna do one favor for yourself, it's like stay positive, stay optimistic, um, within realism, of course. But take the realism. 
and flavor it with the silver lining, flavor it with the the gold that can be mined from within it because there, it's always there. It's just, if you choose to look at it and we know Aquarius is a perception error state. So just, you know, do yourself a favor because that's, it all comes down to you after that. You can't blame it on the world, like, because you have the power within yourself to, you know. Exactly. You're right. Beautiful said. All right, Mac. Woo, well, did, we did a treatment. How about that? Um, so much to talk about. I'm actually surprised we got in uh, under the time that we did with all that. But um, all right. Yeah. So where can people find you? What do you have going on? Where, where do we Oh my God. It's been busy. So I'm actually not doing anything, which sounds great for this month. Um, but I'm, you know, you can always come and get a consultation with me. I'm at macandthezodiac.com. That's M-A-C-K and thezodiac.com do all sorts of readings. Uh, I just had a bunch of lectures and classes, so I'm actually just chilling out for now. And uh, I think that that is a, uh, a good suggestion for February. I'm just going to like whoo, take a breather. Hopefully everyone else can as well. And take the breather. We talked about that. The, glass, yes. the, the conscious breath. Yeah. <laughs> the digging that conscious breath. Um, Yes. And so I will always do a blog post. I will also have uh, Max information. So you can find that over at energeticprinciples.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. Um, right now I am doing, uh, well, I guess I'm already in it. I'm doing my uh, 201 prediction course, which is going well. I mean, I, I you, you can probably still sign up if you want to, but we're already in it. So, um, who, you know, just depends. But what is very exciting is that I'm going to be a facilitator in uh, Stormy Grace's upcoming, um, basically a year long 2021 free YouTube uh, university for astrology. And so we're doing a crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter right now um, that uh, at the time this airs, it's only probably going to have like under 20 days left, maybe 20 days left. And so there's a fabulous lineup of teachers um, that are not at the ready of my fingertips as they should be because <laughs> uh, just um, just looking at it, let's see, right? Rick Levine's there, Nadia Shaw, Christopher Renstrom, uh, Gemini Brett, Christina Caudill, just to name a few. There's like 14 different astrologers and we're all going to be sharing information along with Stormy um, throughout basically the entirety of the year to take you from the ground up um, and give you all the tools you need uh, to, you know, get going in astrology. So if that's something you're interested in, we're only going to do it if it's funded. Uh, so we need your help with that. So I will put the Kickstarter campaign um, link into the link of the body of this podcast, wherever you listen to it. And of course you can find that information on my Instagram or over at Stormy Grace's uh, Instagram or channel on YouTube. But she has a fabulous collection of interviews with people too on her eat and greet which I did one for Jupiter Saturn uh, back in October. So anyways, that is what is big coming up now. So if you can help us get that going, uh, we'd be very appreciative. Woo. All right. So cool. That sounds awesome. What a great opportunity. It is. It's, it's going to be a good time. I hope that, uh, that we can get this off the ground. I think it's going to be a, a wonderful way to have all this Aquarius energy at play. Yeah. 
All right. So now for you listening out there, uh, if you could be so kind to leave a review wherever you'd listen to this podcast, that helps it be seen further uh, to help spread the good word of myself and Mackenzie, you know, like leave a review where you listen or share with friends because sharing is caring, you know, and uh, people are going to want to hear about this Aquarius season because Lord knows you don't want to be caught off guard. I mean, you still will. It's Uranus, but you know, like... (laughs) Like at least get somewhat on guard, you know, like at least put your fencing gear on so that, you know, you know, you're not totally, totally blind here, of course. Um, And yeah, so other than that, Mac, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, we'll have you back uh, when the time is right. All right, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us gab about Aquarius season. We wish you the best out there during these dynamic times. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm -hmm.